Hey, welcome No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. As always, we have another great show coming to you today. And I'm really excited to introduce to you Marcia Bennett. And Marcia describes herself as a millennial who's constantly on the move, focusing on creative strategies to save time, make more money, and enjoy life. There are many things I'm going to want to learn from Marcia today. She's an entrepreneur who's truly overcome many obstacles, and today she leads and inspires others to make a way out of no way. So where there's no road, Marcia's out there trailblazing with others, and she does that through helping cultivate the right mindset and fortitude. One of the things that Marcia believes is that excellence is a habit. And that through research and professional experience, she's actually discovered that maximizing strengths and minimizing weaknesses can help us all achieve our goals. And many of those goals are things people feel are impossible to achieve. She's the CEO of her own international firm, where she works with people on an individual as well as an organizational level on organization time management relationship management, career advancement, and leadership. And if that's not enough, she has five publications, three of which are Organization Preparation Workbook, Self-Help Book, Are You In It to Win It?, and 21 Ways to Win at the Game of Life. And as we go into 2019, Marcy is going in with the big mindset that success is an equal opportunity experience, and we're going to talk about that today. So, Marcia, is there anything I left out of that brief introduction that you would like to add to before we dive into the interview? No, I think we summed it up pretty well. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about how you've done so much. And really, if you're a millennial, that tells us you're within a pretty young age group overall in the course of a career lifetime, let's say. But Talk a little bit about what inspires you or your story that got you to this point that you're so engaged helping other people change their mindset. I always say that when things fall apart, it is up to you to put them back together. So all throughout my professional life and educational journey, every time I thought that I was there, something else happened to make me question, what do I do next? So I had a successful live event for my business. Three weeks later, I lost my job. I lost my uncle. I lost my grandfather. And I was enrolled in my PhD program all at the same time. And I was 28 years old. So every day I had to wake up, right? And I had to make a choice. Do I sit here? Do I ask, why is this happening? Why have I worked so hard to get to this point? Or do you push past the pain and step into your purpose? So that's what I've done every single day. Push past the pain, step into your purpose. Were you always able to do that even as a young girl growing up? Or is that something you cultivated over time, that ability to, to move beyond the pain? Yes. As you grow up, sometimes you want to just sit in it and not have people feel sorry for you. And I realized as a teenager that probably was not going to work well for me to move past my peers, right, in terms of excelling. I had to figure out a different way. So I like to say I refined my ability to react to the things, you know, we call challenges and obstacles in life. And how did you do that? 
did you have mentors that helped you? I mean, share with me a little bit about that process for you, because it sounds like a very simple statement. You know, I refine my ability to react, but that's, that's a big um, achievement in behavior and mindset. Yes. So first, I love to read motivational books. Tony Robbins. Are you familiar with Tony Robbins? I'm very familiar with Tony Robbins. He saved my life once. <laughs> and then Lisa Nichols. She saved my life twice. And the lovely Ayama Van Zant, who now has a TV show called Fix My Life, she saved my life the third time. So I turned to them for the wisdom and information. And for example, you know, they recommend journaling. So journaling was really important, you know, writing down what you feel in that moment and not waiting. Reflection, you know, kind of thinking back on that situation. So a lot of things I had to do alone, so to speak. You know, in that quiet place when, you know, everyone else is partying and having fun and, you know, enjoying life, you just have to, you know, sit and I just say, you know, peace, you just have to be peaceful and you just have to be still just to find out who you are. Otherwise, you need to be into the world like how you have a difficult time navigating. So when, because you you were doing that as a young person. You know, so yeah. there's that tension between missing out on what other people are doing and really making yourself a priority. How did you do that? That's, I mean, many young people, that's a hard thing to do. I had to remember, and this is a strong statement to say, the opinion of others does not influence your success rate in life. So, you know, when I run into conflict with people, I have to say, wait a minute, this situation has nothing to do with what I'm trying to achieve. So you remove yourself and then move forward. And it's very difficult because you want to follow the crowd. So I think being a leader is really difficult because you do want, you know, you want to assimilate and do what everyone else does. But that goes back to you have to look at the wise people who live and who are doing what you want to do. And those are the people that you basically just study, right? So that's what I did. I studied what they were doing to figure out how can I close the gap and get there. You know, a lot of life coaches and I'm a business coaches that say, you know, just work with me because I can condense the amount of time, right? It'll take for you to achieve something. And I listen to that because why would I want to waste more time, right? When I could save time in the process. Exactly. I always think of that, of I really want to learn from people who've already got the bumps and bruises, because I'm going to get my own bumps and bruises. I just don't want to get the ones I could avoid by learning exactly. or taking, you know. Success lessons. leaves clues. That's it, one. It, it, success does leave clues. Um, yes. And so what, let me just back up a minute. What was your PhD you were going after in? It's in public policy and administration. Okay, so does that feel like it aligns with the work you do today, or has your journey kind of shifted how you apply that information? So the really interesting component of this is in 2009, when the economy changed and the market dropped, I was a teacher, and I lost my favorite job, right? I wanted to be a teacher so bad, and I lost the job. And I had a master's degree and I'm sitting there like, what am I going to do, right? People don't want to hire you because you're just a teacher and you have degrees, right? So, you know, I just forged ahead and took the road less traveled, so to speak. 
So when I had to pick a topic for my dissertation, I had been observing professionally and socially the interaction of four generations in, in the workplace. So I selected leadership and turnover and retention among four generations as my study. Most professors that I reached out to for our chair were like, I really wish I could be your chair, but I'm full. I don't have enough students. So I got lucky. I have two wonderful people that helped me go through that process. And it was so interesting because when I finished, that was the last thing that I said. I really have proven that a millennial could truly be on the move and do a lot of different things and accomplish what they want. And you're still going to have people sit there and say, oh, it can't be done. Right. And then I go right back to that statement. Your opinion does not influence my success rate at all. (laughs) Now, did people think it couldn't be done because professors couldn't take you on and you just persisted? Or do they think that that field of study, the four generational piece, wasn't achievable? The timing of how long it takes to do the research itself. Yeah, because, you know, it takes some people, oh, my gosh, three, four years Mm -hmm. just to conduct the study. And, oh, I mean, it was interesting. I was like, well, no, I'm going to use the secondary data set. And they're like, okay, right? You know, oh, no, I'm going to call the Office of Personnel Management in D.C. Okay, good luck. (laughs) And it all came together, probably because I was extremely persistent. So talk about how, um, because that, to me, sounds like one of your keys to excellence Right. So you challenged the assumptions about what could be done under a PhD process, but also about what folks could expect from a persistent millennial. And I do think that labels can kind of be limiting because if someone, if you didn't say that about you and someone said, Marcia accomplished this, they'd go, well done. Right. Then you put on that you're fairly youthful and people go, wow, amazing. Right. Well, because it's tough. And then you're taking on government structures. I'm calling DC, right? You have to be persistent. So Mm -hmm. talk about the excellence being a habit. How does that show up? How do you cultivate that? How might I cultivate that? Okay, so this is going to tie into maximizing your strength, right? Okay. So are you familiar with the Gallup poll? I am. Finder? I am. I have my own profile and everything. So I always recommend going through that profile and picking those three or four that match what you're trying to accomplish in that season. And then you maximize that and really, honestly, forget about the weaknesses. So talk to me as someone, because I know a lot of people who have taken it, that's where they get stuck, right? I have my results, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but I want to maximize. And I know Gallup has like these tools and, you you know, suggestions, which are good if you read them. But I mean, in practicality, when you're helping people maximize Marcia, how do you help them make suggestions concrete? So if my strength is learning, which it is, mm-hmm. how would I maximize that? What might be a way I would maximize that to offset some of my lower activator things? For learning, it would be becoming really clear on what it is that you want to learn. Because if you're a natural learner, you can consume a lot of different information. Mm-hmm. So kind of isolating, you know, focusing and pulling out what is it that you really want to learn and master at that time. So do you put boundaries around it? Now, that depends on your other strengths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so share with us, because I know that, I mean, it really is something that people are interested in. 
as especially as we think about focusing on our assets or our strengths and really enhancing mm-hmm. those versus trying to build up something that we're potentially, I don't want to say weakened, but it just isn't a strong suit. And so while mm-hmm. we may become technically better at doing it, we're never going to like do it with the same energy and out result maybe as someone who's just natural at it that we could learn from our partner with. Does that make sense? Can you give me an example? Sure. So um, as an example, this might not be fair since you're a project manager as well, but say for instance, someone is really strong. I should have my strengths finder up for you, but say that someone is really strong in communication, but they are less strong in being strategic, but their, but their job requires both. So, and we'll just, I'm going to make up somebody who's going to be like a mini Marcia who does everything you do, but she doesn't have your skill set or aptitude, let's say, or strengths around project management. But boy, she's a good communicator. So are there things she can do to build up her ability to be efficient and really successful in her profession, given that there's an imbalance, let's say, of two of the kinds of things that you need to be successful? Absolutely. So being a strong communicator allows the person to communicate with someone else who has that strength that they're looking for and tap into their resources and what they can recommend to use in order to enhance what you're trying to improve upon. So then you really support like partnering with others and doing things? Absolutely. Okay. And is that something you're, when you work with groups that you, in your trainings, that you help them get better at doing that? Yes, because often I find that conflict resolution is a nice title for a lot of subtitles, if that makes sense, right? So it's conflict resolution, but it's really, this is my strength, or this is a personality conflict, right? Or we just really do not see eye to eye, but why do you not see eye to eye? Oh, because you come from a different experience that, you know, you come from a different environment and just kind of working through all of that. And then it's that aha, like, yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) So yeah, make people dig. That's my thing. You really have to dig down. Are people open to doing that typically? Or is there, do you find people are curious? What, what helps you help us? You know, if I'm one of your clients, what helps you help me? My energy is that I want you to tell me what it is you really think is wrong, right? And then I'm going to start, you know, probing and digging, right? And basically ask basically the hard questions, right? And when I ask the hard questions, you become more receptive because usually most people have never asked you those questions. And you say, oh, I never thought about it like that. And then that's how we start. So you're actually focusing on the individual and where they're coming from, it sounds like. Yes, and then bridging them to where they want to be. Okay. So you were talking about one of your key takeaways is that success is a mindset. Can you share more about that with us? Yes. I say it's a mindset because you have two ways you can look at things, right? Either a fixed mindset, right, or a growth mindset. So the fixed mindset is I've achieved... I'm here, I'm complacent, you know, everything's great, I'm done. But people with that growth mindset, 
That's how you become successful. That's how you continue to basically surprise yourself and push the limits. So success is truly all about how you think about it, too. Because what's successful in one person does is that's not important to the other person. So that's why it's really, you know, it's really, really important, again, know who you are and what it is that you want. And then adopt that as your mindset and your. So it sounds like you did that when you were young, right? When you said that you had, you did a lot of self-reflection and really got clear about what mattered to you. Have you had to go back over the years and look at those uh, beliefs or values or your goals, for instance, and say those no longer fit? This is a new Marcia. I'm in a new stage of my life. Or has has your basic work kind of stayed pretty constant? I've actually had to go back. I call it, you know, your core values, right? Mm-hmm. And I have this I have this exercise. It's a pretty neat exercise, right? So it's like 27 core values and you rank them in order of importance to you. And then go back and look at them, right? Six months from now, go back and look at them two years from now and then re-rank them. Every time I've done that, <laughs> they're always in a different order. It's kind of like shifting priorities because you have to reinvent yourself. You have to refocus the lens on what you're working on. And you'll notice, too, that some of them, you know, tend to rank in the top 10, right? Like maybe integrity or something. But yes, I go back and I look. And I guess because I'm a historian, too, by nature, right? I feel like I have to go back, you know, to see where, where I was at and where I'm at now and how can I improve. So you actually use, and I will call that broadly data, right? Looking at yeah. the trends of what you're doing and what you've accomplished and how that fits anymore to the degree the degree to which it fits. Do you also then set new goals and objectives or are you basically just resetting and reprioritizing your values? New goals. Okay. And how frequently? I know that that's a convert, a question that gets asked a lot is like, is that an, should I be changing goals and or planning annually five years out, three years out? What in your experience seems to work best for organizations and then also individuals? I would say every year, and I have a specific time of the year. Uh, this time of year is really popular for vision boards, breakthrough planning sessions. I call it a focus board. And that's when you sit there and you look at everything you know that's happened for the past 10, 11 months. And then go ahead and outline that as to how you want it to look. Or, you know, for a vision board, visually depict what you want to happen next. For, a, for the coming year? For the coming year. And what do you and do for with an organization? That? Well, stay, stay with me for an individual for a minute, because I'm picturing this in my head, no pun intended, with the vision okay. board. But, so say I've created a vision board, and I've said, okay, this is what I see where I want to be 12 months from now, right? So I'm creating the vision board as if I've already accomplished it. Am I understanding you correctly? Yes. You're creating it as though this is what you want to see happen. Okay. So for a relationship, if you want to get married, some people put, you know, a wedding dress on there or a diamond if they want a car, you know, whatever that okay. visual is. Mm-hmm. And then I keep that where I see it? Or how do you use that um, with your clients? Put it somewhere where you look at every single day. In your office, in your in your room, somewhere where it's right there where you can look at it. And sometimes I tell you know, just meditate on it. 
you know, maybe took a part of the board that that's what you really want to do. I did that for four years in a row and it worked. <laughs> so and some people say, do I put a lot on my board or do I put a few things on my board? And I say, well, do you want a lot of things to happen? <laughs> if you want to focus on a few things, so it's all up to you. That was going to be my next question. How busy is your board? Or do you mm-hmm. segment it into different areas like health or finance or mm-hmm. whatever? So, do you have I've, I've seen all types. So you have seen all types of boards? Yeah, I've seen the boards where you do the wheel of life, you know, your health, relationships, career. I've seen the ones where people just do words and quotes. And then I've seen very busy ones with like all types of things happening. And I've seen them where, you know, it's kind of linear, you know, so to speak, like we're going to do this in January. And so everyone has a different way of doing it. And I just like that because, there, you know, there's no right or wrong way to live your life. There's no right or wrong vision for yourself. So you started to talk about how, I mean, how you use the visioning and that kind of work with organizations as well. Is it different for an organization? And can you share with us how that is? Yes. So for an organization, I like to talk about the best practices, what worked well. Keep that in the forefront when you start planning, right, for that next year. Because if it's not broke, right, don't break it. <laughs> okay, just got you to keep, keep working with it. And then just the conversation to well, what do you think you'd like to focus on? What maybe do you as a leader think your team could work on? But I always, always, always recommend doing best practices because it's almost like when you're talking to someone in a performance situation and you start off with negative and then I just, you know, totally mess up the whole rest of the conversation. So same thing, right? Let's start off with the good stuff. What's working well and then work backwards from there. And is there a, considering best practices when you're planning or doing work with organizations, do you recommend that they keep to a certain number of goals? Absolutely. And what is usually that? usually three to five, depending on what type of work you all do. So and what some people the, like Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Some people like to plan around themes. So right. communication goals, okay. you know, leadership goals, change management, you know, like plan around themes. And then others like to plan around really specific, you know, situations that are going on. So when you, I'm going to ask, shift and talk about your books for a minute, but I want to come back to your, your quote. And actually, you've got mm-hmm. a couple of quotes that I really, really like. But this, I do. I like, I'm just going to tell you right now, I started laughing. Because when you said the quote about that you're a slow walker, but you never walk back, I often say I might be slow, but I'm not backing up. It's like, yeah, it might take me a while to get there, but I'm not going backwards. So, um, but the the quote I really wanted you and your focus going into 2019 is to talk a little bit more about how we can each make success our own equal opportunity experience. What does that mean when you say success as an equal opportunity experience? So I realized that we have so many different avenues and resources of things we can tap into to achieve our goals, right? And my easiest example is education. Education is so available to everyone. So it's an equal opportunity, right, to learn what you want to learn, to master what you need to know in order to get what you want. 
and it's an equal opportunity experience because someone, you hear people say, oh, I didn't really enjoy that. Well, did you think about why you didn't enjoy that? Because it was an equal opportunity for me, right, (laughs) to enjoy that just like it was for you. So how do I translate that? Staying with that example, because I think that's a good starting place. So you and I have the same, we're in the same education thing. So I'm going to start with the assumption that we're after a similar thing, either the certain type of knowledge together. But I didn't Mm -hmm. like the experience. And you asked the question, you said, did you wonder why you didn't? What would you say or how might you help me shift my thinking so that I can actually become successful around something rather than just maybe toss it out of hand as not useful or unenjoyable. Right. So that's what I was going to say. Shift the thinking, change the way you think about that particular experience. So give me some tips on how to do that. Because I know a lot of my listeners and myself sometimes as well, very concrete. Just give me a couple of examples of what would I do to shift my experience or how I think. So I. To shift your, let's talk about the mindset, how you shift, how you think about it, right? Okay. What what you find enjoyable, because it, it has to be at least one thing, right, in one moment that was it set well with you, right? You found that enjoyable. And you hold on to that. Because the entire, you know, three months or six months was not spent where, you know, it's a great, but you did experience one thing. Well, you could have met someone, right, that you really connected well with. So, I heard people say, you know, at least I gained good partnerships and friendships in this situation, right? I really like what I learned, but yeah, I met great people. That's important. You know, people management, that's really important. So it's kind of like finding the good of what can help you when you didn't necessarily enjoy that experience. So it sounds like you're a pretty good, you talked about being a historian, but it sounds like you're also kind of a pretty good. I'm trying to like finding the nuggets of things that are like the gold nuggets and what someone else might say is just a rock pile. You're going, yeah, but there's a nugget in here. There's something you liked or some part of it that was good. So is that correct? Do you think? Yes. We like to resist things that don't feel that we feel maybe we don't connect well with. Right. Mm -hmm. But that resistance is why, you know, you have to change the way you think because that's how you just toss things out. How might I know, I'm really thinking about challenging myself to think about the things that I don't like. And sometimes it's so subtle, you know, you just go, Mm -hmm. that was a good one-time thing, right? But Mm -hmm. taking your lead and not wanting to throw something out just because either I didn't like it or it just didn't seem that powerful, would there be a couple of questions I could ask myself that, so I wouldn't run into that mental block, like, no, there's nothing good, right? But there might be a couple levels of questions that I would be able to ask to say, come on, Sarah, what about this? What about that? Right. How can I use this to help me? How can I use this to help someone else? Okay. Because it it doesn't always have to benefit you. That's the good thing about learning, you know, and having those experiences. It may benefit someone else that you know, or someone that you meet, right? They may be able to use it a lot more than you can. I met a lot of people like that um, when I did a lot of productivity training. They'll say, oh my gosh, I work with this person. I mean, she is so unorganized. Can I give her your information? You know, not in a, you know, mean-spirited way, but like, I think this person can really help you. So for them, you know, they were someone who they already 
had a system, you know, at home. They already have their way, you know, their laundry systems and then with the kids, you know, the way they did their rooms set up. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, but I, I work with people and they do not have the sound. So. so in that case, they have something to offer. Right. Okay. I really like how you take the focus of off of just being about yourself and really looking to see how might whatever I've gone through or learned or experienced benefit someone else. Does, has that shown in your experience then when you talk about success being an equal opportunity experience, how has that kind of questioning and thinking kind of flipped so people are starting to experience more success in however they define that? Okay. This, I'm going to walk through a really interesting scenario, but this is how we get there. Good. Usually when you're trying to achieve something, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to do that. And you can question yourself and if you're going to be able to do it and become successful, right? So when you do that so many times, you realize the best way to take the pressure off of myself in this moment, right, is to give that back to someone else, you know? And then they will look and say, oh my gosh, that was just amazing the way you did that, right? And it's like, yeah, now I don't feel so stressed out about it because it worked. So you put a lot of pressure on ourselves. You give the task back or the worry? What do you give back to somebody? I give back the experience that I had, right? That may not have been so great. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you just don't keep it inside of yourself then? Yeah. And that's hard to do. I had to work on that, you know, because everything had to be so perfect. You know, a lot of us are recovering perfectionists. I know. So <laughs> Hello. that's something that you always have to work on. You know, that's a tough one. So, okay, this, this is the best of that I can write today. <laughs> so I'm done with it. I think it's interesting because when you talk about, you know, giving it back to somebody else or having someone else engaged in it, it can be really surprising when someone says, this is good. And you're thinking, really? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't so thrilled with it. Could you make it better? <laughs> no, I, I made a couple of typo fixes. That was about it. But it does kind of reflect back to how hard we can make it on ourselves. So going into 2019, what are you doing to help yourself be successful? What are your big goals coming up in this next year, Marcia? Mine is going to be shifting priorities. I'm going to be teaching that, right? about how to shift your priorities because we live in a society where everything is urgent except as a perceived concept, right? It's not actually urgent, <laughs> right? Right. So I'm going to have to take, you know, all here, you know, all my professional experiences and my business experiences. And I'm, I'm really going to try to create, right? Cause I haven't had opportunity to really create something unique in a long time. And I want to create that concept of shifting your priorities. And it'll be amazing, I must say, to see how this is going to play out, <laughs> right? It could play out in a live event, you know, it could play out on a webinar, it could play out in a book, I, you know, I don't know. But that that's what I'm thinking. We have to shift that priorities because it has to be more of a life than what we see, right? But we have to believe that. Well, and I think when you talk about there's a perceived urgency for everything, you're right. Not everything is urgent. So do you have a sense of where you're going to start in that work since it could be so many different things? 
Well, I'm going to go back through, and this is something I do recommend if you have a lot of ideas. I would consider myself an idea generator. So, you know, you put all these different things down on paper or on a document, your Google Drive, right, and just sits and sits and sits. So what I would like to do is I want to go through and I want to clean that up, right? And I want to pull what do I think I can use and then everything else, I have to hit the delete button. Or if you're not comfortable deleting, just archive it. But, <laughs> you know, pulling the things that I came up with, right, to input that into what I want to use. I will say that when you said just delete it, my heart dropped. I went, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, just I, hide, I, I can hide it. I'll hide it for you, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not delete it. Archive it. I had a client, oh my God, it was so amazing. She's like, I was on the plane and I was looking at my notes on my phone. I had all of these ideas and I realized they've been in there for like three years and I didn't do anything with them. And I said, Did you hit the delete button? And she said, Yes, I did. Oh. I said, And how does it feel? She said, it feels good because now I know that what I want to work on right now that was talked about a couple of weeks ago, that's what I'm going to do. So you remind me of something, somebody else. Do you know who James Altucher is? No, I do not. He's, he's really an interesting guy. So I won't, I won't go too far left of field. But one of the things I learned from him and he suggested, I want to say the first time I heard this might have been three or four years ago. He's talks about generating ideas as a muscle and that the more you I generate ideas the, and you don't have to you don't evaluate them right it's an idea you write it down you write it down you write it down and he generates ideas every day and then after he did that for a while he started sending them to people he thought could benefit you know like he would send it to a company hey i had this great idea i think you could use it he doesn't care if they use it or not, but he's actually trying to connect the idea with someone who could benefit. And obviously some of this stuff he takes on himself. But it was it's reminded when you said you you keep your list of ideas and you go back and look at them. It's that same thing of practicing generating ideas because it helps build that creativity muscle. So you've got something to go back to. So I just thought that was such a cool connection between the two of you. And I do like the concept because I remember people were talking about people who don't share ideas and he likes to share ideas. And I said, look, everyone has a million dollar idea. I promise you. And some people will come up with $10 million ideas, but we only have one life to live. And you probably won't be able to maximize all of those ideas. So it's okay to share. And if you share the idea with someone that, you know, they quote unquote become rich off of it, that's okay, right? Because you know that you have a hundred other ideas, right? Well, and, that's and his people definitely, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely it. right. And it is that lifting other people up, and that's part of what you said your goal is, right? To help inspire others and and help them achieve what they desire. And so, when you share, you're able to do that. Exactly. So talk about your books, um, and then we'll talk about your generous offer to our listeners. But first, if you would talk a little bit about each of the books that I mentioned for you. Sure. So the organization workbook is a really good one to go through when you just want to sit down and kind of figure out what you want to do with your house and what you want to do with your office space, you know, or your desk at work or your digital files. And I organize it in a way that you should be able to get through that workbook probably within two hours, right? It's one of those, I'm sitting at the table Sunday afternoon, right? And I want to go through and kind of get everything together for the new year, for example. So I created that and that's on Amazon. The Are You In It To Win It? 21 Ways To Win Is A Game Of Life. There are 21 success principles. 
that all I have to say is if you just use two, you will make a lot of progress. Any I came special up with two or just any two together? Any two. What, so I had people, you know, people read, you know, your book, you ask them for feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And they always, people always give me different ones. You know, it just depends on where they're at in life or where they want to be. And they all say, well, you know, how did you come up with 21? And that goes back to the 27 core values, remember, that I was yep. telling you about? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Pulling it from that. And, you know, they were like, you know, I could just try like all, you know, 10, but I'm just going to work on one because <laughs> I know myself. <laughs> and then at the end of the book, I do provide journaling and reflective questions as well. So that seems very doable, two out of 21, especially when you promise that people will be able to see success. And that, listeners, is the book that Marcia has offered to our listeners. Um, And we're going to have a link down below that you can hop on over to a opt-in page and we'll send you right over so you can get the ebook from Marcia, because that is a great way to go into 2019. I'm particularly interested in the organization workbook as I'm looking at my desk. I'm thinking, I could use a little help here, Marcia. So absolutely, I think that may suit me pretty well. I'm tidy, but I've been slipping. So let me ask you, given all the changes, and I don't want to underplay or downplay at rather, I don't want to minimize how impactful it was for that you had all of those losses at the time that you were also going through your PhD as, you know, a young woman. And I'm wondering if you were to reflect back to the Marcia when you were 10 years old, knowing what lays ahead of you, are there one or two pieces of advice you would give yourself? Absolutely. Stay close and true to what means the most to you. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but <laughs> that's how it came across, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what means the most to you, right? Stay close to that and just pursue what you're passionate about. It's such a hard thing for me to say, right? Especially as a millennial, I just have to be honest, right? It's hard to say, just do what you're passionate about, right? Because life has so many of us, there are a lot of things that we did not expect right but the fact that we have some of us have bounced back right some of us are trying to bounce back this is why you never should have lost what you were passionate about to begin with you know this is why it was important just to stay close to what meant the most to you because it's all a circle of life so staying close to what you're passionate about has also helped you have a what i would call a good bounce back factor sounds like yes I think that's good advice for all of us. So as we're wrapping the podcast today, I want to offer you a chance to share any last parting words of wisdom or things you think we should know. And while you're thinking about that, I'm going to share one more of your quotes with our audience who I really think that I think is a really great quote of yours. And that's, don't worry when you're not recognized, but strive to be worthy of recognition. Absolutely. So... Clearly, I speak in quotes, I believe. This is my new life, <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I created a book called Make It Happen. And what I realized is it was like a conglomeration, like 300 quotes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, that's, that's how you make it happen. I would say, and I have to end with a quote. This is my all-time 
favorite inspirational, motivational quote. There is more to life than you can see if you just believe. Beautiful. And you have to close your eyes. You know what I mean? You have to just sit in that, type it out, print it out, write it out, you know, whatever you have to do. Because there are going to be days when you just can't see, you know. There's going to be moments when you just, I can't believe that it's happening, right? Or I wish this would happen. But why did that happen, right? But that that's the phrase. That's the affirmation that I push at all times. Say it one more time and we will end the podcast on it. There's more to life than you can see if you just believe. So with that, podcast listeners, go out, take the lessons from Marcia, apply them, make sure you log on to get her free ebook, and we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.